reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you, the band. Thank you, the tech team, everybody who helps in any way. Um, for those who are visitors here, let me introduce myself. My name is Jonathan G. It's my privilege to be the vicar here. And you've arrived on Vision Sunday. Uh, and my prayer, Carolyn expressed this earlier, is that for those of us who are called to be part of this church, the Lord will speak to us. And we would be freshly envisioned. We've come through three years, really, of COVID and pandemic. We're emerging from that. We've kind of been on survival mode. And we need the Lord to lead us into the next stage. Uh, others of you will be here visiting a part of other churches. And I pray that you'll feel called uh, by the Lord to throw your weight in wherever you are. Uh, it's no surprise to the regulars here that we're focusing on this text over my head. Uh, verse 6 of the reading that Carolyn read where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. We shared in the summer that we felt called to renew our purpose statements and base our vision around this. We prayed into it over the summer. We preached into those three things, way, truth, and life in September. And I'm going to try and bring the threads together. Um, it's not a shortest sermon I've ever preached. So um, you might want to pray that the, that the Lord helps me to miss out bits in the notes that aren't needed. Um, we should finish in time to collect the children. It'll all be fine. <laughs> but let's pray uh, that he speaks. Lord Jesus, you are greater than it all. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Come by your spirit in this place this morning, in each place where anyone's watching online, and speak to us about your vision, your purpose, for us as a church family, for each of us, as your children, and for any who are listening or watching who haven't yet bowed their knee to you as Lord, will you draw them the next step and show that you really are greater than it all? So speak to us, we pray. And to each one of us, uh, there was, as we were praying before the service, we had a picture, someone had a picture of those arrivals and departures boards at airports. But it was like all of them were impossible to read, but one was highlighted. And we pray, Lord, for each one of us that you would highlight an area of ministry you would have us be involved in particularly. You are the head of the church and you it all holds together. So speak, we pray, and we ask it for your name's sake. Amen. Uh, 150 years ago, right at this time, 150 years ago, they were making plans for the building of this church. We were part of the parish of St. Mary's. St. Mary's is about a mile down to the south. Uh, St. Mary's itself had been planted from All Saints, 
as the town began to grow in Victorian ages and it became a desirable destination and Queen Victoria came and it became Royal Leamington Spa. And as the town grew up the hill, there wasn't room for everybody to get into the church at St Mary's and it was too far for old people or tinies to walk there and back. And so one of my heroes, the Reverend Thomas Bromley, who was, that some of you are already looking to the plaque there, you know what's coming, Ross is sitting right under it, in pole position. I don't think it was here that you were here first, and by the plaque, was it? it was a, anyway, uh, this is going public, so I won't say more about that. Thomas Bromley, with some great friends, had this vision to plant the church. So let me read to you this plaque. This plaque here is on the front left of the pillar. It's on the screens. You probably won't be able to read it, so I'll tell you what it says. To the praise of God, who by his grace enabled his servant, the Reverend Thomas Bromley, M.A., Vicar of St. Mary's Leamington, from 1856 to 1884, faithfully to preach the gospel of Christ and in earnest desire for the spiritual welfare of this part of St. Mary's Parish with the generous help of many friends to build this church and constitute St. Paul's a separate ecclesiastical parish that the word of life may here be made known to future generations for the glory of the Saviour and the blessing of his church. This tablet is erected as also the north and south windows of the chancel as a token of affectionate regard to his memory and of thankfulness for the blessing of his faithful ministry. He died September the 22nd, 1886, resting on the Lord Jesus Christ, whom it was his delight to proclaim as the way, the truth, and the life. So 150 years ago, exactly, Thomas Bromley and friends were drawing up all the plans. Uh, they started digging out the foundations in the new year. The foundation stone was laid on Ascension Day, 1873. So on Ascension Day in May, that's May the 18th coming up, it'll be 150 years since the foundation was laid. And we will have a celebration that weekend, refocusing on our foundations for what the Lord is calling us to do. The first service was on Ascension Day a year later, 1874. So we will have big celebrations, inviting, we pray, many, many people to join us in the summer, a real season of mission, uh, May 2024. And you might want to keep those dates free. I'll send out the precise dates, but Ascension Day varies. You can look it up. It's before half term in May both times. And we are rewording our purpose around Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And it's absolutely in line with God's thumbprint on this church as Thomas Bromley discerned it 150 years ago and wrote into the bricks over my head. Now, 15 to 20 years ago, we had a go at expressing a purpose statement. It was a good one. Glory to Christ, growth to the church, good news to the community. There were reasons why we used those words in those days. Uh, we felt led to just make it simpler and focus it around this text. But I was wondering, why on earth didn't we focus it around this text all those years ago? And I think it was. It was much harder to see, and we didn't notice it. We knew it was there, but it was dark. And it was only having done the redevelopment and lighting it up where we see it every time we walk in. It's really come much more to the forefront of our thinking. So we were praying into this over the summer, and as the PCC, we talked about it. And we said that purpose has got to be something like something Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I've had a go at doing a really boring PowerPoint. This is about as creative as I get. There you go. That's, you can tell that we haven't yet got our communication people onto making this looking really good. Uh, we all have our gifts. This can be developed. This isn't, this is not, we're working our way to it. We think it's, how, what should go there? Is it 
glory to Jesus? Is it proclaiming Jesus? Is it following Jesus? Is it making disciples for Jesus? Is it becoming like Jesus? What is it? And we, PCC, we covered large pieces of paper, and we thought, it's got to be simple. And initially, I dismissed the word following Jesus. It felt too much like Twitter followers that's a bit come and go. Um, but then we started looking into following Jesus. And imagine putting that word there. And I started reading again what Jesus said about following him. So I want to share with you five bits of the Gospels where Jesus talks about following him. Uh, and they together tease out why we've decided to put following Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so first off, Matthew 4, 18 to 20 says this at the start of Jesus' ministry. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So those of you who are old Christians will have grown up with the old versions. Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And you're already singing the ditty in your head that we grew up with you. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. There weren't any more words to it. It just went on and on in different ways. Um, it wasn't that clear to pick it up. Juliet's sister Claire, when she was little, came home from Sunday school singing, I will make you vicious old men, <laughs> which, is, which is not what it was meant to be, as that wasn't the way of Jesus. It's, I will make you fishers of men. They were fishermen. So Jesus says, when we follow him, he will work in us so that we reach others for him. So in saying our purpose is going to be following Jesus the way, the truth, life, we're following him, and he will make us to do that. Now, he makes us as fishing teams. In this country, we think of fishermen as solo people on a, fishing, on a bank of a river. But fishermen fish in teams, and we all have parts to play in that. Uh, and I'll come back to this uh, a little bit later on. So there's the first thing. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, fish for people. There is an outgoing role as we follow Jesus for all of us. Uh, second one, John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a glorious promise. And he says it to you today. Whatever darkness there is around you, Come to him, follow him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We follow him, and he will give us the light of life. I don't know if you saw that uh, this year on the news, the compilers of whichever dictionary it is have come up with the word of the year. Did you see that? Permacrisis is the word of the year. Just permanent crisis. Permacrisis is a new word in the dictionary. It was Brexit, then it was COVID, then it's war in Ukraine, then it's financial crisis, then it's government crisis, and just... On and on it goes. Uh, in our own Church of England, we're facing big decisions. Thank you, Carolyn, for praying at the General Synod. There'll be some big decisions uh, in February uh, which will affect whether the Church of England stays true to the historic scriptures or not. There's a real ferment there. There's lots of change going on. Um, I came across this acronym that's used quite a lot by people who are running things, VUCA. Have you heard that? We live in a volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. You will know that in your jobs and places. It's just complex. It's volatile, ambiguous, uncertain. And into that darkness, Jesus says, if you follow me, I will give you light. When the queen was 90, she, at the forefront of the book that Mark Green wrote about her, 
quoted her father, King George VI, at the start of the Second World War, who quoted this poem. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Jesus says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Even though we live in a VUCA world, uh, you will have the light of life. Now, I'm going to try and move on quickly so I don't preach a sermon on each of these. Third one that followed, John chapter 10, 27 and 28, Jesus said this. Uh, this is all about Jesus being the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus says, if we follow him, he speaks to us. We hear his voice supremely through the scriptures. But the more we go on, the more we learn to discern uh, the Lord speaking to us. For me, I've learned he speaks to me when I have peace. If I'm feeling not at peace about something, I know I haven't quite discerned what the Lord's saying. I need to pray some more until the right way comes ahead. The lambs are learning to discern what the Lord's leading. The sheep, no. Uh, and Jesus promises that as we follow him, we'll hear his voice and guiding us. That's to us as a church and to individuals. It's a wonderful, wonderful promise. We are made for relationship with God. And the only way into that relationship with God is through Jesus. That was what John 14, 6 said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Loads of different ways to Jesus. And then he leads us to the Father. And then there's relationship. So, so far, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Follow me and you won't walk in darkness, you'll know light. Follow me, you will hear my voice guiding you. Uh, here's the most demanding one. Luke chapter 9, 23 to 25. Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? There is a clear cost to following Jesus. We are told to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves and take up our cross. 2,000 years ago, if you saw someone carrying a cross, you knew they were on the way to die. And Jesus says, die to yourself and live for him, and that's the way to life. It's so countercultural. Our world is the I generation from iPhone and iPod and I everything else. But it's basically our world says, look into yourself, be true to yourself. And it's also self-absorbed. And Jesus says, die to yourself and live for him. And you'll discover your life. And we discover who, Jesus, who we're made to be. And we become the person God's made us to be. You'll know, I've said it often enough, that's my story of coming to living faith in Jesus. I was so surprised by becoming more truly me. That's a work in progress. Um, still a few years to go to sort me out, and only death will do it finally when we uh, have for all of us. But as we die to ourself and follow Jesus, he promises life. Uh, it's not easy. There will be storms along the way. Jesus never said it would be easy. He said it's a narrow gate and a narrow road. Uh, I don't know if you know this bit in Matthew's Gospel, where Matthew makes a big point about following Jesus, there will be storms. So this is from Matthew 8. 
When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's a costly thing to follow Jesus. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, Follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. We're not entirely sure whether the person saying, Let me bury my father had a father who was still going to live 20 years, I'll come after my parents have died, or what else was going on there. But the point is clear. Jesus is saying if you follow him, that's the top priority over everything. And then Matthew tells this story. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. He's making a big point about what it is to follow Jesus. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. So in following Jesus, there is a cost. There will be storms. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you'll know that. But Jesus promises his presence in the storm. He is Emmanuel, as we'll sing no doubt at Christmas. He's promised, I am with you. So I dismissed the word following Jesus as a, it felt bland until I read all these. Oh, it's not remotely bland. He promises to make us fish for people. He promises us light in the darkness. He promises we'll hear his voice. He calls us to take up the cross. He says he'll be with us in the storm. Uh, and it's felt to me with all of those things, the word following really encapsulated everything the PCC was saying. So I shared it with the clergy, with the wardens, with the standing committee, and with the PCC, and we have fully embraced this as the way of expressing our purpose as a church. We are following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm really keen that as you come in here to worship and your eyes look up, you not only remember that Jesus is the light, the way, the truth, and the life, but you say, Lord, I want to follow you. Help me to follow you better. Help us as a church to follow. Where are you leading me? We don't just worship him. We follow where he's leading. Uh, I then noticed over the summer as we were praying into all these things, the three symbols that I think Norman Warren had put on the walls outside the church. If you come from that end of town, you probably never notice these. If you walk from the top of town down past this wall, you'll see them all the time. There's a cross. There's a Bible. And there's a dove. I took some really bad photos of them yesterday afternoon. A cross, a Bible, and a dove. So let's just go through. And it struck me, these three point to the way, the truth, and the life. The cross, let me put that up. Jesus walked the way of the cross deliberately. It's an empty cross. Uh, it's not a crucifix. He, he died on the cross, and he rose again. And he calls you and me to pick up our cross and walk his way dying to ourselves, and it is the way to life. That symbol points to the way. Then you've got the Bible. That points to the truth. Jesus is the truth, supremely. But his word is true. Jesus gave his authority to the Scriptures. We say this is the word of the Lord. It's that we trust in this as much as we trust Jesus. Um, I wasn't quite sure about the fact that Bible's become rather tatty and the, the metalwork has broken down. And I remembered saying that actually a Bible that's well used... Uh, a Bible that's falling apart is read by someone who isn't. So, um, so the fact it's a bit tatty out there may point us uh, to the fact that 
if we take the scriptures seriously, we're not going to fall apart. Uh, and then the dove. The dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brings life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. He gives us life. We cannot do this in our own strength. It's the Spirit that helps us know Jesus, who gives us strength to follow his way, even when it's hard. Uh, so I realized these words have been put in the bricks over our head. They've been put in the metalwork outside the church, and it's taken me 22 years to clock that they all fit together for what God is calling us to do. Uh, that is our purpose. Uh, we follow Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that's the first half of the sermon. That purpose could last until the Lord returns. We, a future generation may choose to reword it. Fine. But that's the direction it points in. What about vision? Vision is slightly different from purpose. Purpose is there for all time. Vision is a picture of where we're going, and that's where we're heading next. So when Thomas Bromley had the vision for this, it was to build a church building here for the good of people here. Um, 15 to 20 years ago, we prayed into our vision, Lord, the big prayer, what are you doing for St. Paul's? And we realized it wasn't about our church, it was about the town. So we came up with the vision to see Leamington changed one life at a time. And we deliberately start put more energy into working together with other Christians. Uh, lots of you got involved with interchurch ministries. Uh, I became chair of churches together and led a monthly prayer meeting of the ministers for 11 years. Uh, all sorts of things started. The well was already up and running in its early days, and lots got involved with that. We found Christians Against Poverty starting. We found street pastors. We found food bank. We found Thrive Youth Ministries. Now flourish. Loads of stuff in the church together uh, as we put our energies there as God called us to see the town changed. Uh, it felt like a big vision, and it's still, there's still way to go on it. But God is big. At that time, 15 years ago, this verse from Ephesians was very significant. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his work that's within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do more than we can even think of. He's, he's a big God. So there was this vision of the town. So initially it was for the parish, then it's for the town. Now the bishop has designated us as a mission hub, a resource church for the wider diocese. We're not the only one. There's a, a ring of us together. But the idea is that we overflow from what God is doing here much wider. Now, praise the Lord. He's blessed us in so many ways. Uh, as we gave ourselves to the town, the church continued to grow, and we had to redevelop the buildings. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> if you were here on Monday night, it was carnage. I mean, it was glorious. The place of bouncy cast, 180 children, far too much sugar, Rob the dentist doling out sugar. I mean, there was a collector's site for, for just drumming up trade, I think. But uh, there, it was fantastic, an extraordinary thing. Our church school, that's probably our biggest mission area, just rejoice the way our partnership has grown down the years. And you'll know that uh, the church school has a vision based around Jesus saying, let all the little children come to me. And then the children, in their own words, uh, picking up the all can come to Jesus. We are all equally valued, listened to, and loved by God. And that song they wrote with Eleanor. Uh, Ofsted came just before half term, and their, their um, report was published this week. And in the secular report, the first line of it says, 
we are all equally valued, listened to, and loved by God. That, that this is a school where people feel valued. It's still a good school educationally, but that was what stood out. My, I, as I told Juliet, I wept. That's just so wonderful. That, and we pray that that, so thank you, all of you involved in the school, governors, teachers, parents, prayer team. Uh, that's a huge, that's been growing, and that will continue to be uh, a focus for us. Uh, God calls each of us to follow Jesus on our front lines, in your workplace, in your families, on your streets, in your social community. He calls some to go, he's called some, quite a number actually, to go and help other churches. Quite a few have gone to work with Esther and Mark at Holy Trinity or with Rob and Rachel down at Heathcote, some with Jonathan Smith down uh, and Vicky down there at Bishop's Tatchbrook, a good number up at Lillington, where William the Vicar came from here all those years ago. Uh, so God's been taking people to serve him in different places. I was just rejoicing over James and Rachel in Albania. They, all that stuff on the news that Carolyn prayed into of young Albanian men who are hopeless, thinking England is going to answer all their problems, when it's Jesus. And they sent through, if you don't get their, their emails, they sent through pictures of young men they're working with leading to faith in Jesus. That's fantastic that people who've grown up in this church are going off to do that. So now we're emerging from COVID, and God is giving us a bigger vision, not just for the parish, though that is our prime responsibility, not just for the town, but to be a mission hub wider. What does that look like? <laughs> well, great question. Ten years' time, we might know what it looks like. Um, the Church of England has a vision to see 10,000 new worshipping communities over this decade, and Coventry Diocese see 150 of those in this diocese. Why do we need new worshipping communities? Why can't we just do it with parish churches? Uh, in a bygone age, perhaps the parish church might have had a proper connection with everybody. We have a connection with a lot in this parish through school, but a lot who don't. When you do the statistics nationally, about 8% of the nation are in meaningful contact with a local church. So if every church doubled in size, that'd be great. 16% of the nation would be in contact. That means 84% of the nation are miles away from contact, meaningful contact. That means we have to plant new ways of doing church to reach new people in new places in new ways. Now, just as this place was built for new housing, so some of those churches will need to be in areas of new housing, and there's plenty around here. But a lot of it will be in different networks. We're wondering about planting a congregation into the school for people who just wouldn't feel this is the right place. There might be something in Costa Coffee. We're working with the villages around us to see how we can help strengthen them. But the idea is that every church looks to see if we can plant some new worshipping community. And the idea is that we help resource churches to do that. Now, that will only work if we are healthy ourselves. We're not going to be any use if we don't follow Jesus and we're not healthy. Um, my prime calling is here to St. Paul's, but as we look to work further afield. And for most of you, this is where the Lord's calling you to serve and be. But lots of us will be called to help different other churches, whether it's a small group working with a particular village church or planting something new. How are we going to know? Well, we follow Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, and he will make us fish for people. He will show us how to do it. And I love the fact that this vision is utterly in line with what Thomas Bromley lined up 150 years ago. The words on the plaque say, 
that the word of life may be made known to future generations. That is our purpose. It's what's going on out in the hall and down in Quench now. Uh, but we want that to happen wider and wider. So as I've been praying into all this, I've been praying, Lord, would you give us a sort of vision of what that looks like? Maybe a time scale, a picture of where we might be in 10 years' time. Uh, and I think the Lord has. Uh, this is slightly tentative in that we haven't discussed it on PCC yet. It's too hot off the press. But we have done it as clergy and wardens and standing committee. And we're, we think this is where the Lord's leading. And we're wanting to discern this as a church over the next few months and pray into it and really think, is this right? How will it work? And then we can nail it at the annual meeting uh, in the spring. Uh, what caught my mind as I prayed into this was, some, was a festival for, in 10 years' time called JC 2033. There's a JC 2033 vision. Never heard of it before. But apparently 10 years ago, someone realized that in our calendar, Easter 2033 will be the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection. Historians will argue whether that's precisely the right date or not. But in our calendar, we know that Jesus was about 30 when he started his ministry. His ministry was about three years. He then died and rose again. So Easter 2033, just over 10 years' time, is the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection. Uh, and this wonderful Christian man, 10 years ago, started galvanizing different groups of churches, saying, can't we do something across the whole world to help the whole world know the good news of Jesus by the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection? So Pope Francis has endorsed it, and uh, Nicky Gumbel, the sort of Pope of Alpha, has endorsed it, and Rick Warren, the Pope of Purpose Driven Church, has endorsed it, and all, all sorts of different ways to see... In Nicky's case, he wants everyone in the world to have an invitation to Alpha. Rick Warren's by 2033. And Rick Warren wants to put his energy to make sure every people group has a Bible in their language and a body of believers close to them by 2033. I started seeing this several times and thought, oh, hello, Lord. How do we connect with this? And the idea emerged, what if by Easter 2033, everybody in this area had had a meaningful opportunity to engage with the gospel of Jesus. So here's a tentative vision for us to explore. We can't do it on our own. You have to do it together with others, um, together with other churches, to give everyone in the area. Now, how big's the area for the mission hub? We can work on this. It's bigger than the parish. It's wider than the town. Uh, but to give everyone a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news about Jesus by Easter 2033. So I really want us to pray into this. We've got a prayer meeting on Monday week. We'll pray into this. We'll, we're going to start a new monthly prayer meeting on a Monday evening next year. Uh, we want to follow Jesus. If he's leading us to do this, if this is him, we'll know. If it's not, he'll show us a better, a better vision. I think this is him. Meaning it's not just a hit-and-run three-minute tract. This is, it takes quite a long time to engage the gospel. People need to hear it several times, usually. We'll need to work out what this means for us in our parish. We'll need to work out how we do this with our other Anglican churches, the other churches together in Leamington and wider. But I think this is doable for our area. What if we played our part in this area as a mission hub to do what Thomas Bromley and his friends have put us here for, that the word of life may be made known to future generations? Most of what we've done with other um, 
ministries in the town has been more of a practical, caring nature. Obviously, there's some word content in it. But this is deliberately making sure people know the good news of the gospel. Uh, and as I've shared it, I've felt an energy. Uh, the Standing Committee, the wardens and clergy have endorsed this. We need to work it through together. And so it's a sort of provisional picture that we will follow Jesus the way, the truth, and life. He will show us how to fish for people. He will give light in the darkness. He will speak to us as we hear his voice. It will be costly. We'll need to take up our cross daily and follow him. But it is the way that leads to life. So uh, pray into this. We've got two weeks till Commitment Sunday. It's Remembrance Sunday next week. And in two weeks' time, I'll preach further into Jesus saying, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. Uh, and we'll have an, a, an opportunity to write something on a bit of paper and bring it forward, expressing what, how we feel God calling us to serve. Uh, with our finances, we do this regularly to pledge our giving for next year so we can fund the mission God's calling us to, to commit to pray. And I'm going to be asking you to pray, as, as Carolyn did in the prayers, who, Lord, are you putting on my heart to pray for, to seek to reach with others? Uh, we've got two weeks till Commitment Sunday, so we'll send an email out with all the, the links to the sermon for those who haven't got it, haven't been here today, and with response forms. Let's just come back to a few verses as I come into land. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is the vision. We follow him the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the vision for this next stage that we need to pray into. It will only come by his Holy Spirit. I love that verse, Acts 1.8. The dove on the wall points us to this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria at the ends of the world. In our case, in this parish, in this town, and wider, and some, no doubt, uh, much further to the ends of the earth. Teresa, who was with us, can't get much further than the islands off Papua New Guinea. That is about as far as you can go. Uh, for most of us here, but the Lord, who knows where he'll call us. So we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, one more thing to tell you, we're going to focus very clearly on Jesus and we're going to preach through the whole of Luke's gospel for the next year and take a year and a bit to do it. We'll start it on Advent Sunday so we get to Christmas with shepherds and angels. Um, we'll pause over Easter and do the, the resurrection Easter from another gospel, go all the way through 2023 and we'll get to Luke's Luke's account of the cross and resurrection at Easter 2024. So we're going to have a long year, just not miss it. We're going to do all the difficult bits as well. I'll probably give those to Andy and Eleanor to preach or something like that. But we're, um, we, we want to follow Jesus as he really is, not make him in our image, as is so easy to do. Uh, we're going to pray, we're going to follow scripture, we're going to pray for his spirit, and we have a part to play. Let's stand and we'll pray into it now. If the band would come back, that would be brilliant. And we'll have a couple of minutes of quiet prayer. I'll lead in a prayer generally, and then we'll just take a time before the Lord. Lord Jesus, you are the head of the church. In you, all things hold together. How we praise you for the vision you gave to Thomas Bromley and his friends 150 years ago. And for the thousands who've come to know you in this place and grown as disciples and been sent out to serve you all around the world. Thank you for 
the growth of this church family and your call on us to follow you, the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray that you would send your spirit on this church right now, but every day. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us corporately and individually. And if there are things you would particularly have us be involved with, would you bring those to our mind? Let's just be still and see what the Spirit brings to mind. Another picture we had at the start of the service as we prayed was an empty bucket being filled up and then overflowing. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would do that. Fill us individually and as a church and overflow from us to those around. Pray for those who are involved in multiple things that you would show which are the areas to concentrate on, like highlighting that thing on the departures board, that they would know where to give their energies most. And for those who haven't yet got involved or haven't yet started giving financially, thank you, Lord, that we cannot outgive you, that you give far more than anything we can give of our time or money or energy. Another minute, Lord, would you want to drop anything into our mind about how we, the next step for us to follow you? What are you calling? And we pray we'd be more like John the Baptist, pointing to Jesus. Now he was a, a voice in the wilderness, as it were, clearing a path for Jesus. Lord, may we point to you clearly that everyone in this area would have a proper opportunity to engage with the good news and a real opportunity to respond. And may we play our part together with people all around the world in seeking to bring your good news to this whole world. And all these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.